Today's reading is from Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 8. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Jesus Christ, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even death on a cross. The word of the Lord. How to butcher a chicken. Step one, prepare the work area. In late August, her family would butcher the chickens out back. It was a big event, with her father's two brothers and their wives and children coming out to help. Each year, there were as many as 50 chickens or more to be butchered. All the work and fruit of their labor would be divvied up among the three families, and the meat would be placed in the deep freeze to be enjoyed throughout the year. When the families arrived, it was a rush of hearty pats on the back from the uncles, kisses on the cheek with, my, haven't you gotten big, from the aunts, and tag, you're it, from the cousins. Immediately, the men went out back, and the women found their stations in the kitchen, filling pots with water to boil. Beulah was still at an age when she was always underfoot, or asking too many questions to be of much help to the women. She was immediately sent outside to play, but she wasn't in the mood to be it. She was always it, and could never run fast enough to take anyone, so she was never not it. So she simply would not be it today. She would go and follow her father instead. Sometimes she would follow him openly. He was so much more patient with Beulah and her questions. She loved following him to help milk the cow, Belle. Helping consisted of her father working the udders, while she stood by Belle's head, telling stories. Belle was a very good listener. One day, Beulah was so full of stories that her father finally spoke up. That's enough, Beulah. One day, that's enough, Beulah. You're making poor Belle tired. Soon she'll be squirting nothing but sour milk, and you'll both catch heck for Ma if that, if that should happen. Immediately, immediately, Beulah jerked her head to the left to purse her lips at her father, and then swung her head back to the right to look at Belle. A deep scowl was on her face, not from being angry with her father, but as a result of concentrating. Beulah finished her story in her head without moving her lips once, and by the look in Belle's eyes, Beulah knew that she heard every word, and this is why they were best friends. And as far as her mother was concerned, she was none the wiser. But today, Beulah followed her father in secret. She walked the same path after her father and uncles at a safe distance as to be invisible. She climbed the maple tree that was home to the best tire swing but the saddest-looking treehouse in all of Swift County. The treehouse was basically just a platform of scrapped boards nailed together and nestled securely among the branches. But to Beulah, it was her personal private headquarters for all things secret. She easily made it to the treehouse without being seen, 
and continued to climb three branches beyond what her mother would ever allow. And from the safety of that perch, her feet dangled down so the leaves of the branches below tickled her ankles. She lowered her body to rest against the length of the branch. She alternately used her arms to hug the tree and to keep the laughter from escaping as she watched her father and uncles chase the chickens. Her uncles amused her the most. With all the tripping and feathers flying between the squawks and the words grown men would never shout if they knew a little girl was listening, it was very hard, almost impossible, to remain quiet and keep her secret. And for a bird that can't fly, a chicken can sure move. And as much as Beulah loved her father, she was secretly and wholeheartedly rooting for the chicken. Step two, render the bird unconscious. As the story goes, it was September 10th, 1945, when Lloyd Olson's wife, Clara, sent him out to prepare chicken to be served to her mother, who was visiting their farm in Fruta, Colorado. Lloyd caught a young cockerel named Mike, who was only five and a half months old to butcher that day. But as Lloyd was attempting to cut the bird's head off, his ax missed the mark. One ear remained unscathed while most of the brainstem was left intact. Now, most chickens would panic, but Mike was not a fowl to give up easily. And despite his lessened condition, he was still able to walk and balance on even the highest perches. He continued to attempt to preen and peck at the ground with his neck. His cockaloodle-doo was now nothing more than a gurgle. And we are never told what Lloyd fed to his mother-in-law for supper that night. But Mike did not die despite being definitely altered. Now, most farmers in a similar situation would have picked up their axe and finished the job. But Lloyd was not a man deaf to opportunity knocking. He began to care for the bird by feeding Mike milky, a, a mixture of milky water mixed with small grains of corn, fed to Mike through an eyedropper placed in his throat. And after a week of Mike gurgle crowing each morning, Lloyd drove the bird 250 miles to Salt Lake City to be examined by the scientists at the University of Utah. They concluded the axe did miss the jugular vein and Mike did not bleed to death due to a clot. And since most of Mike's brainstem remained intact, he could still control his reflex actions and maintain an active lifestyle. In fact, Mike grew from a two-and-a-half-pound cockerel to an eight-pound rooster. With the legitimacy of Mike confirmed by the university, Lloyd hired himself a promoter, and soon, was, and soon Mike began to tour sideshows with a two-headed calf and other farmyard anomalies. It cost spectators 25 cents to take a gander at Mike, and at the height of his career, Mike earned $48,000 a month in today's U.S. dollars. His photo even appeared in Life and Time magazine. Although many farmers attempted to imitate Lloyd's lucky miss, there was only one Mike. In an interview, Lloyd said Mike was, quote, a robust chicken, a fine specimen of a chicken, except for not having a head, end quote. In March of 1947, nearly 18 months, Nearly 18 months after the miracle miss, 
Lloyd and Clara Olson were on their way home after a long tour when they decided to spend the night at a motel in Phoenix, Arizona. After getting settled in at their motel room, Mike began to have trouble breathing. Having forgotten the feeding syringes at the previous day's sideshow, Lloyd could do nothing to help. And without the aid of any syringe to clear his airway, Mike, the headless chicken, choked to death in the Phoenix Motel. Mike's fame only grew after his death. Since 1999, the city of Fruta, Colorado, has honored the headless bird with an annual Mike the Headless Chicken Day, the third weekend in May. The official Mike the Headless Chicken website states, attending this fun family event is a no-brainer. <laughs> Events include an egg toss, cluck like a chicken contest, and a 5K run like a headless chicken race, and pin the head on the chicken. Now that's just weird. I mean, maybe a little funny, but really weird and disturbing too. Pin the head on the chicken. Sit with that image for a bit. And after so much violence and blood and death, it seems odd to celebrate it with games, candy, and an egg toss. Step three, killing the bird. As much as we sing about staying on the sunny side of life, the gospel text for today is the 14th and 15th chapters of Mark, or Mark's telling of Christ's final week, the Passion Week. Mark is all about the shadows the light creates and living with the people in the shadows. And it seems as if anyone who spends any time in the shadows with Jesus ends up terrified. The last lines of the book, the ones that scholars of the ancient text believe to be the true ending, they end with Mary Magdalene and Salome finding the tomb empty. The Gospel says, Trembling and bewildered, the women went out and fled from the tomb. They said nothing to anyone because they were afraid. The end. There is no resurrection story in Mark. No hallelujah, Christ is risen indeed. None of that. The Dictionary of Biblical Imagery says this about the ending. Jesus frequently strikes fear in the hearts of both friends and foes. This aura of dreadful transcendence invites the reader's response as the gospel closes, not with celebration, but with the first witnesses of the empty tomb fleeing in terror. At the end of Mark, we are left with two women who are terrified by emptiness. And that is your gospel reading for today. Emptiness, darkness, and terror. Reader, respond to that dreadful transcendence. We are entering the Passion Week when Jesus is accused, betrayed with a kiss, stands on trial, is mocked, forsaken, crucified, and stops breathing. In preparation for writing this sermon, I came across the line, in the end of every day of every life, night comes. Now that can be rather sad and depressing, but that is Palm Sunday. It is more about darkness than any triumphal entry. I could focus on the resurrection. I'd like to focus on the resurrection and skim over the walk towards death. It would be easier. But Palm Sunday signals the beginning of the end. Jesus walking towards darkness. We have the birth of Jesus walking ahead of us and the resurrected Jesus approaching from behind. 
And right now, we are in the middle. We are walking alongside the crucified and dying Jesus. We are walking towards darkness. The sky will soon turn black when Jesus is on the cross. Our Savior will be strung up and bled out. In the epistle reading for today, we are called to be of the same mind as Jesus. We are called to become nothing, to be humble and obedient unto death, even death on a cross. Darkness is all around us, circling in on us, and I can feel it. Darkness will be all we know. We all will be bled out, and the ground will become dark and wet beneath our feet. When we meet again as a community, it will be at the Stations of the Cross. And with any luck, the Stations will move beyond a memorial procession, and we will participate in our own passion of being emptied out, bled out, and begin transcending. But there is no transcending, no resurrection without death. There is no purification without destruction. We can't know the light until we know the darkness. And even if the darkness covers it, grace still exists. Step two, render the bird unconscious. Recently, I have watched several YouTube videos on how to butcher chickens, and I have read many blogs with graphic photos documenting each step of the slaughter. Some people use baseball bats to knock the chicken unconscious before slicing the neck. When that doesn't work, they place a wire noose around the neck and yank. Others swing the bird by the feet around their head and then whack the chicken's head on a rock or a board. It is all spoken of or written about with casual humor and performed with the thought that it is more humane to render the bird unconscious before killing it. A baseball bat to the head is humane. But not everyone follows this line of action. One man had the chicken hanging by its feet. The wings were spread out wide as the man quickly and silently slit the bird's neck. The bird barely moved. Before I knew what had happened, I was watching the blood flow down from the neck. Another woman from Oregon swaddled and cooed to the bird until it was still and calm. It almost looked like it was about to fall asleep. And then the knife to the neck. The body of the bird began to struggle, and the woman lowered her own body to hold the bird still while speaking softly to it until it was dead. And then the blood. There was always blood. And let's be honest. There is no tender or humane way to slaughter a chicken, Death is always a struggle. Step one, prepare the work area. Her father takes the chicken from a small wire cage and carries it by the ankles. After a few moments of flapping its feathers, the chicken calms down. Her father places the bird on a wooden block. One uncle holds the chicken around its body. The other uncle drops the cleaver down upon the bird's neck. Beulah rounds the corner of the barn and stops cold when she sees two headless chickens hanging by their ankles, the ground dark and wet below. While one uncle lifts the headless bird, the other uncle tosses the head to his dog who quickly eats it with one bite. Maybe Beulah doesn't want to follow her father here. Maybe she has gone too far. 
But before she has the chance to run, she locks eyes with her uncle, the one holding the bird. And even though she hasn't spoken a word, Beulah can tell by the look in his eyes that he has heard every thought. He smiles at Beulah and then tosses the beheaded chicken at her feet. As blood spurts from the chicken's neck, Beulah dodges the bird's jerky movements by jumping from one leg to the other in a frantic, waltz-like fashion. Beulah screams out for her father over and over and over, frantically searching for his face but cannot see him. Beulah is lifted off the ground and suddenly her legs dangle from her father's hip, her ankles brushing against his overalls. Her hair clings to her face wet with sweat and tears. Her arms wrap tight around her father's neck. He brushes the hair out of her face. He presses his lips against her cheek. He repeats over and over and over. Reaching around to his back pocket, he pulls out a handkerchief. He wipes away the tears. As Beulah's breathing calms, she looks into her father's eyes. They are so big, they remind her of the eyes of their milking cow, Belle. They are just that big and brown and soothing and compassionate. They are eyes she wants to fall asleep looking into. His lips touching her ear, his father, her father whispers to her softly, secretly, so softly no one else can hear. He whispers, Beulah, look, just look at that bird. Even though he is dying, he can't help but dance. Don't cry, sweepy. Just stay here and watch that bird dance. And that is what they do. With his arms wrapped around her waist and her arms wrapped around his neck, father and daughter stay there and watch and sway from side to side. <laughs> 